if you say ESG, then immediately people will think ethical, they'll think sustainable, they'll think impact, they'll think trade-off for returns. That isn't true. That might come from ethical, but that's not ESG. People are really, really concerned about what's happening to the planet. And a good number of people, actually notably financial advisors, are very often more focused on the social side, which is great also, but they interconnect. Everyone's talking ESG, taking it really seriously. But on the other hand, I think we're still so far from having an investment industry that truly takes responsibility for the impact of investment decisions on people and planet. If you're an investor seeking out sustainable funds in the US, New regulation will mean that 80% of the funds underlying investments are, to some degree, sustainable. Here in the UK, upcoming regulation will likely require only 70% of this fund to be sustainable, and in Europe that drops to just 50%. Now imagine you're an HSBC, or a Vanguard, or a Schroders, a global asset manager trying to sell a sustainable fund in various markets across the world. This becomes a hugely challenging task when the regulation doesn't match up. In this episode, we're going to take a trip across the pond to the US. It's the biggest market for asset managers, accounting for trillions and trillions of assets under management, but interestingly, not for ESG funds. ESG is facing significant headwinds there, and just 11% of ESG assets worldwide are held in the US. We'll look at how extreme volatility in the US equity market has impacted sustainable funds, how political opposition has impacted the market, and how the companies with skin in the game are surviving these challenges. Tom Willman is a regulation specialist at Clarity AI, an ESG analysis and assessment tool. Tom used to work at the FCA and as a policy advisor to IOSCO, so he's had plenty of experience navigating regulation across borders. In terms of sustainable regulation, Tom says that the US and UK have very different approaches to achieving a similar goal. We found that um, those regulations um, while quite similar in spirit, they're all trying to help divert uh, investments towards sustainable uh, projects that are demanded by investors. Um, the de- in the detail, they're actually very different, um, and that could lead to some uh, suboptimal outcomes. Um, in terms of, of why, um, again, I think there are good reasons why regulations can differ. Um, so um, not only do markets have different characteristics depending on where you are um, you also have different cultural and, and political environments um, that that you know cause a divergence in regulation here's desiree fixler she's worked in the us and europe and now sits on the esg advisory committee to the fca she knows firsthand the difficulty of setting rules and standards for ESG across different markets. Well, first of all, I have to commend the FCA. I think they're really making a big push to make it a more cohesive market. Um, but the reality is that it is fractured. Uh, so um, just in the United States, it's fractured. We know about, you know, the... Um, you know, the different takes on ESG and the, and the different legislation being passed state by state. You know, that's that, of course, we, we need to do a better job at unifying everything. You know, multinational companies, what are they supposed to do? In many ways, the beginning of 2022 was when it all started to go wrong for sustainable funds in the US. The market downturn that occurred was particularly bad news for US fund managers, because the fall of the US equity market was much more substantial than it was in the UK or in Europe. 
In 2022, nearly 60% of ESG funds delivered lower returns than their non-ESG counterparts. For the first time since 2011, ESG funds saw net outflows as investors withdrew money. They typically have more exposure to technology companies, and tech stocks were certainly down last year. So in 2022, these strategies seem to fall far short of expectations, facing other complications such as supply chain issues for electric vehicles and solar panel companies. In the medium to long term, Morningstar figures show that the ESG funds are still outperforming or at the same level as non-ESG funds in the same category. But with last year's fall in performance, a cost of living crisis, as well as a recession on the cards, surveys are already showing that less investors are prioritising sustainable impact over returns on their investments. Alyssa Stankiewicz is an Associate Director of Sustainability Research at Morningstar. Earlier this year, Alyssa watched as investors pulled nearly $4 billion from a single ESG ETF in one day, the iShares ESG Aware MSCI USA ETF. Yep, it's a mouthful. In March of this year, uh, so those portfolio managers were looking at the possibility of a recession in the future, and they repositioned certain parts of the portfolio to take a more um, conservative approach to the risk. And they made some changes in the allocation where they paired back the allocation to the ESG fund and they increased the allocation to a quality factor ETF, um, which is comprised of stocks that just tend to be better positioned to ride out a recession. Um, and basically within one week, mostly within one day, you saw this massive inflow and outflow that mirrored one another, um, which over the course of the first quarter, that one fund ESGU that I was just talking about lost something like $6.5 billion. It was, I think, a great reminder that not all investors in ESG funds are doing it for the values-based reason uh, that a lot of people assume. And a lot of people are using it for risk management in their portfolios and diversification purposes. And mm -hmm. as such, there will be different motivations for people to um, make deposits or withdrawals from those funds. Uh, and so this model portfolio series tends to be more tactically managed. Um, and so they're very much, it's not an ESG branded portfolio. In 2022, a growing anti-ESG movement was also rising across the US, as Republican Party officials across several US states started to speak out against companies that they deemed to be fossil fuel boycotters. In the financial world, these were companies including BlackRock, HSBC, Jupiter and Schroders, and states used tools from divestment to law enforcement to prevent state funds from investing in these companies. Will Schmidt is a reporter for Citywide Professional Fire in the US, who's covered the ESG battles between states, institutional investors, and the blacklisted companies. And it was just like a series of stories about like, so-and-so is putting somebody on a blacklist. And Texas was one of the first to like actually put out a document that had the names of, you know, a handful of firms and then a couple hundred funds on it and said, um, you know, you're a public manager in the state of Texas running pension money for teachers cops, firefighters, local employees, state employees, you have to get out of these strategies and away from these firms. In the aftermath, asset managers started to rethink their approach to ESG. A major example of this happened at the end of last year when Vanguard pulled out of the net zero asset managers initiative 
whose members are committed to supporting the goal of net zero emissions by 2050. Will said that the backlash from US states sparked a significant change in tone on ESG from many asset managers. I don't know, I don't want to overstep too much, but it has seemed to me like there's been a bit of a change in terms of like what asset managers say publicly and how that aligns with what they have been saying for months to these regulators. There's been a lot more emphasis on the, by the way, we invest in fossil fuel companies. A lot of those asset managers, when they're making a plea to stay off the blacklist, will say, did you know we have an office in your state and here's how many people we employ? And I, I think they're kind of foregrounding those, those things to make the case that, you know, they're not an enemy of these states that are trying to regulate them. They are, they are part of these states. Um, BlackRock will emphasize, you know, pipeline investments it has in Texas, for example. Will was speaking back in July, in the same week that Larry Fink, CEO of BlackRock, publicly claimed he would stop using the term ESG. I think you're going to start seeing more of those kinds of, here's who we are, you know, that has, that has historically been, um, you know, just taking the backseat to the, oh, ESG's here, by the way. Mm. More of a less of the less of the 2050 focus and more of the 2025 focus of mm. we're still going to be investing in fossil fuels the next few years. BlackRock declined to comment when approached by New Model Advisor for this podcast, as did Vanguard. At the time it pulled out of the Net Zero Asset Managers Initiative, Vanguard explained its decision in a public statement, quoted as follows: "Such industry initiatives can advance constructive dialogue." but sometimes they can also result in confusion about the views of individual investment firms. That has been the case in this instance, particularly regarding the applicability of net zero approaches to the broadly diversified index funds favoured by many Vanguard investors. The ongoing conflict between US states and these investment companies is a strong reminder to the industry that everything that sustainable investment is trying to accomplish whether that's a net zero economy or the phasing out of fossil fuels, relies on political support. Here's Alyssa from Morningstar again, discussing the US Department of Labor, which is responsible for issuing guidance on how pension plans should invest. If you look back through historical guidance issued on ESG or SRI by the Department of Labor, the guidance has almost flip-flopped every single um, administration for almost 30 years at this point. So understandably, I think plan sponsors and investment managers are a little risk averse. They don't want to launch a brand new plan or make a big change to their plan, um, knowing that the next administration might reverse course. The US first signed the Paris Climate Agreement in 2016. The goal of the treaty is to keep global warming below 1.5 degrees Celsius but there are already signs that the U.S. may struggle to keep its end of the bargain. The U.S. has already withdrawn from the treaty once under Donald Trump's administration. Here's Will again. First of all, this stuff changes or can change every four years. Again, going with the Paris Accords thing, it depends on who's in power and how far they're willing to stretch the limits of executive power. Same thing goes for Congress, which changes, you know, the House changes over every two years, potentially, Senate every Senate can change every two years. It's a little more static, a little less volatile. You're also going to see this probably affecting the Securities and Exchange Commission, which is our main regulator of U.S. managers here. Um, the SEC has been particularly active in the last couple of years uh, under Chairman Gary Gensler on passing rules to require companies, including asset managers specifically, to disclose climate change um, information, you know, 
targets, goals, commissions data, um, whether they will enforce or whether they'll be able to enforce much on that front is kind of up for debate because these rules are by and large not finalized. And with the precedent we saw at the Supreme Court last year, they're almost certainly to be challenged and face a relatively hostile audience once they get to the court. It's difficult to gauge what the ESG investment industry in the US will look like in 10 years time. And for some advisors in the US, the events of the past few years have made them even more skeptical of ESG products and ratings. Dan Wiener is the chairman of Advisor Investments, a Brooklyn-based advice firm, which he opened in 1994. Dan describes his firm as agnostic on ESG, but on a personal level, Dan sees ESG as a fad that will rise and fall in popularity. The ESG that you and I are familiar with and talking about today, and that people are talking about on the street, and that all the anti-woke people are up in arms about, is that ESG has really only been popularized the last five, seven years. And look, it's already going through its dip. Mm. Um, what, a week, two weeks ago, Larry Fink, who is the target of all the anti-ESG people, said he's not going to use the term anymore. I think he, I think that he continues to believe that there is a place, as do I believe, that there is a place for ESG-type criteria in the investing world. However, the notion that this is something new is ludicrous. Dan compares ESG to the burst of popularity he witnessed around socially responsible investing, or SRI. One event that had a major impact on SRI was 9-11. 9-11 happened. The world became a lot more concerned with uh, security. And um, I mean, it, you know, I, I believe a lot of people were less worried about how clean their water was than whether they were going to be around to drink it. Um, that's not to say that's the right way to think about it, but it, it was the nature of the beast. Nobody was doing, uh, nobody was uh, in the anti-gun uh, anti camp at that point, um, you know, unfortunately. We saw an explosion in the uh, development of purchasing of, you know, production of, and such, and whatnot. But, but the point is that, you know, that was a, a sea change for a lot of people. Dan is not the first in this series to suggest that the political debate around ESG has taken the focus away from what is most important to financial advisors, finding the most suitable investments for their clients' needs. I think that ESG was fine until the anti, you know, we're a very divided country here. Mm. And when the anti-establishment, or you want to call it anti-woke, I mean, they use that term a lot, or the anti-ESG, I mean, it's, it's a symbol. And so bringing something down to an acronym just makes it easier to, to fight against it, right? You have to be able to let that noise go by and look for the signal. And the signal is, you know, build a, a smart portfolio that meets the needs and objectives of your client over the time periods that they have defined. And if you're, you know, if you're one to follow these trends, you're going to get hammered. That's why they call them trends. The politicization of ESG and the risks of greenwashing have brought about some negative press for ESG investing. So what now for the industry? 
In the future, Morningstar's Alyssa thinks that impact-driven firms will pioneer ESG, while others will simply integrate ESG risks into their investment decisions. And what I've heard, and this is just based on anecdotes, but um, is that at this point, you know, asset managers in the U.S. are finding that any demand that's out there for a broad market ESG fund is largely being satisfied and that where there's area to continue developing products and, um, you know, expanding reach within the market, it's actually more in the thematic space. Um, so focusing specifically on impact or focusing specifically on climate or human development, things like that. But there are still too many questions that remain unanswered when it comes to ESG. CityWise Will Schmidt thinks it might take some time for asset managers and advisors to find their feet with ESG again. I think I think people are waiting for it to settle down a little bit before they go back out there and you know. I also don't think it'll be business as usual. I think there will be some regulatory changes, probably not as much as have been proposed, and I think there will be some um, crimping of regulatory authority. This country's relationship with ESG is is really marked by uncertainty right now, uh, and it will be for the foreseeable future, um, just based on who's elected president, uh, who controls the SEC, how the court decides to look at different rules that are on the books or preclude the rulemaking authority of different agencies. Well, there's a lot, just a lot we don't know right now. In this three-part series, we've watched the sustainable investment industry grow from a few funds and advisors to over $3 trillion in assets under management globally. With this boom comes an expectation that advisors should have an in-depth understanding of ESG and its nuances. As regulators begin to crack down on greenwashing, it's become clear that boundaries, labels and benchmarks are needed now more than ever. While these rules are necessary, they will place greater responsibility on advisors and distributors to ensure that sustainable funds are doing what they say on the tin while being suitable for their clients too. In the US, we've seen that political backlash against ESG has had a huge impact on how asset managers, advisors and investors engage with sustainable investment and just how quickly capital can be moved away from an area of the market if it doesn't suit a political agenda. And because the asset managers and banks involved have a global presence, the impact is likely to be felt by ESG investors around the world. In the future, some asset managers are likely to either focus more on impact or split off from ESG. But in the meantime, investor demand for sustainable funds is still alive and well, as are thousands of ESG products on the market. Advisors have the ability to direct an enormous amount of capital into more sustainable, responsible or ethical investments. Regardless of labels and trends, these investments will continue to be vital for investors, the planet and for future economies. With the right tools and guidance, advisors can have a huge role in driving ESG forward.